The following podcast is an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Rochester, Minnesota. You can find out more by visiting harvestrochester.org. Have you ever met somebody who is contagious? Somebody who is just like in fuego, on fire, like, like, it was like just get, 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 you know, getting close to them uh, is exhilarating. I would, just, I would just use the word electric. When you're around that person, it's just like electric, you know? You don't have a clue what's going to happen, but you know it's going to be good, right? And you know something's going to happen because you're around that person. And uh, those people are contagious, and I love that. Um, uh, so some person that comes to mind for me is uh, Chuck Herman. Uh, uh, he just uh, was so electric. And, uh, you know, he, he, there was always a God story. My cousin Chuck had a, a God pocket. Right, he carried in his wallet uh, just a little extra money that was God's money, and he would hand it to somebody if God gave him opportunity, and it would become this huge God story. And uh, you would hear about soccer balls in some African country because he drove down some road in Minnesota, and it's like, what? I don't really know how that happens, but it was just exhilarating and contagious, and it's it's fun to be around those kind of people. Those people are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and we all can be, right? But we see two of those people in our passage in Acts chapter 3. So go ahead, flip open to Acts chapter 3 if you haven't, and um, let's just look at the life of Peter and John um, and how contagious they are. And I just want to remind you what I said last week when I preached verses 42 through 47, that uh, now chapters 3 through 7 are just kind of like reiterating uh, this passage. So just, and they devoted themselves, verse 42 of chapter 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, partnership, and to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. The sign, one of the signs, we don't know how many there were, many, many, but one of the signs is now going to be reiterated right here. And this is the example Luke gives us. He goes, here, let me give you a little detail about signs. Let me show you what it is. Let me show you what it does. Let me show you right now. Okay, so Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John, verse 1, were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they had laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those who entering the temple. Now, this guy might be crippled, but he isn't stupid, all right? This guy understands if he wants to make some coin, he's got to get to the place where people are actually going to give money, right? Because what do we do when we go to church? Like, oh, I want to look good to God, so I'm going to give a little, you know, like, so, hey, that's, that guy needs something. Like, here, before I go in there, right, so I'll feel closer to God. So this guy is intelligent. He gets it. And seeing Peter and John, well, he's, he's, not, he's not blind either, okay? So he's just crippled, but he's not blind or he's not dumb, okay? So seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, isn't it true that we need to ask for something sometimes? When we need something, we need to ask for it sometimes. And uh, he does that. Peter directed his gaze. Some of you guys will have uh, in your Bible say he looked intently at him, as did John. 
and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. I think expectations are so big in this passage. I've uh, highlighted that word in my Bible. But Peter said, I have no silver and no gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name, it's all about the name, 33 times in Acts, Luke uses the name, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Let's just take that chunk and let's just see this. Uh, Number one, God's story. When you're around people with the contagious, they always have a God story, right? There's always a God story. There's always God's doing this and God's doing that. And it's just awesome, right? But you know what? That's true in your life too. But I think the application for us is we need to expect that God's working. Sometimes they're like, where are you, God? Where are you, God? I don't know. I don't see you. I don't. Dude, he's working, right? He's working. Not for a moment will you forsake us, right? I was just thinking about that song and, and, and the words on it and how it's talking about like, hey, even, even when it's dark, even when you can't see him, he's actually carrying you, right? And I'm just thinking we got to apply that to our lives right now, right? Right now. Man, I don't see a vision for the building. I, you know, I know we're working hard at it, but like, when are we going to get in a building? Like, you can fuss and pout about it, or you could just be like, hey, it's just like before we were a church. We didn't know what he was going to do. It was dark to us. We couldn't see it, but we knew he was going to do something awesome, and look at now, right? And I just believe that for the future, too. I'm expecting a God story. I'm expecting God to show up and do something awesome, and uh, I believe you are, too. Here in... Uh, in the passage, let's just act this out a little bit. I need two volunteers, so let's go. Yeah, I got you. Yep, yep. And, and uh, go ahead. Come on up. So, all right. C- come on up, guys. And uh, so, Phil and Adam. Yep, yep. So, uh, you want to be uh, Paul or you want to be, uh, he's not in the story. Uh, you want to be Peter or you want to be John? Peter. Okay, you be Peter, you be John. All right, so here. What's that? I can't be the beggar. No, I gotta be the beggar. I gotta be the beggar. All right, so the beggar's down here and he's like, alms for the poor, alms for the poor, okay? And, and he reach out their hand, all right? Give me the other hand because I'm, I'm pretty heavy. I don't want you to throw your back out or nothing. All right, so they reach up and, and, and he comes up, right? And go ahead. And he comes up, right? 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 But it wasn't just like that. We're gonna do that again. It wasn't just like that. So something happened, right? In the passage, didn't something happen? All right, so, so he's down here, right? And, right? and but he comes up. And when he comes up, go ahead, guys. He says, whoa, you know? Like, he's just, that's how it happened, right? Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You guys can have a seat. All right, I'm going to need you again later. All right, so he, 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 he just flies off his feet. It's the first time he's ever jumped in his life. And you look at verse 8. It's the first time he ever stood on his feet. It's the first time he ever walked. How was that walk of Ben? Whoa, this is sweet, Right? Wasn't like a toddler walking, right? Wasn't like, uh, uh. he's like, I mean, this is like for the first time, this is a pretty cool deal. But it gets even better. It's the first time he's ever entered the temple. Look at this map. So uh, this is the temple, right? And we're talking about the beautiful gate, right? So on the east side, the beautiful gate, uh, interesting thing about the beautiful gate, it's covered with Corinthian bronze, right, from Corinth. And so 
That's the gate, okay? You see the outside, all the kind of like street-looking stuff? You see the outside is the Gentiles' court. Peter and John are walking from there into the woman's court is the one with the big things there in the middle, and then into the man's court, a men's court, and then into the priest's court, okay, the holy of holies and all that where the temple is. So they're walking in that beautiful gate. This guy's on the outside. He's never been in the temple because he's crippled, so he's unclean, and he can't go into the temple. This is the first time he's ever entered the temple. He's like, woo-hoo-hoo, didn't know. This is so cool. Right? He's seeing this court. And then he goes in. He's, he goes into the court of the men. And then he's like, not allowed in the priest. All right. And then, and then they circle back out. And they go back out to this Solomon's portico up here. And uh, Solomon's portico is that whole wall on the right side. We just put it up there so it would be distinct. But it's that whole wall on the east side is the little porches. And, and that's Solomon's portico. All right? So you get the picture? This is what's happening. So he walks in there. Okay, guys, I need you again. Okay, so... This is the coolest thing. This is the coolest thing, right? In the second point, you're going to see this, but I'll just do it right now. So, so he, he's here, right? No, just, just I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get, like, he's just like, what's up? This is amazing. And right, he's just walking with these guys. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. So, so I mean, so first he's running, jumping, then he's just like, it says he clung to them, right? And he's just like kicking his feet, and he's just like, this is amazing. So it's just great. And uh, he's just going nuts, and, and all of this stuff's going on. And, uh, but just think about this. This all changed. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. So he asked for something. Peter directed his gaze on him. So this is what, you know, I drive to St. Mary's as well. So, you know, you got a guy in the corner, and you're like, this, right? Like, oh, just keep going, right? But that's what we do. Okay? When people have needs, we kind of don't like always make eye contact with them, right? We don't always like want to see them. We don't want to be bothered, but we got a schedule, right? So I think the cool thing here is he sees Peter and John. People see us, but are we going to be contagious? You know, one of the most contagious things you can do, look people in the eye. Just look at, hey, hey, look, right? Now, why is the beggar's head down? Because he's ashamed, right? He's ashamed. And those panhandlers on the corner, if you've ever made eye contact with them, like I do, right? You're like, I always look at them, right? Read the sign, look at them, try to, I'm trying to discern, are they a panhandler? Because there are some panhandlers. I picked them up. And uh, there are some other, (laughs) no, I'm not kidding. Like, that was the weirdest story ever. I can't get into it, but like, I mean, yeah, yeah. I drove him to his house. That you know, if you're paying anything, you probably shouldn't have a house. Anyway, so that was weird. Some other time. All right. So that you know, it's just God loves everybody, right? But what's gonna help you? Just write the word look down. Write the word look down. What's gonna help you be contagious is if you're seeing needs, if you're looking at people, if you're making eye contact and you're catching attention, right? When you look at somebody in the eye, you have their attention. They look at you. Usually they'll, if, if, you know, they'll look away, right? But it's okay. They'll look back and, and catch their attention. But not only that, you see he caught their attention, okay? Or they caught his attention, but then also they went beyond the expectation, right? He expected just to get some coin. Like, I just need some coin, right? I just need a little bit of money. Just like, could I have a little... You know, you could roll down your window and give the guy at the corner 20 bucks. It's not going to change his life. 
It's not changing his life. We need to be contagious. And so be careful, okay? But you got to use discernment, and maybe that's not the best example. But in life, when you see opportunities, right, it isn't just throwing money at opportunities. It's like, hey, 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 hold on. Like, you know what? I have good news for you. I know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's changed my life. He can change yours too. It's not just about, here's $20. We like to meet physical needs, but it's about meeting that spiritual need as well, which is what they did. And therefore, there was a God story, and we should expect to have God stories too. We should expect God to be showing up in our life all the time. And when he is, it's contagious. People are just like, I want to be around you, because when I'm around you, God's always showing up. And he is. And it's just fun. The power is contagious. God's story, expect it. What are you expecting God to do today? Did you come to church expectant? God, meet with me. God, change me. Or just kind of come to church, you know, because there are the two different ways. Like, man, God, you just got to meet with me like the day you met me at salvation. Meet with me like the day you... Uh, on that Lake Michigan shore, when I looked down and I picked up that thing, meet with me like you met with me then, when you were so clear, right? Meet with me, Lord. And uh, God wants to change our whole life, not just give us a little coin. He's trying to get our attention. We, we got to look at him. We got to look for God to show up. We got to expect it. And when he does, let's shine the light of Jesus Christ to other people, Okay. All right, the second thing, God's son. You might say God's name, but uh, I know him as Jesus, and so that's God's son. Uh, believe it. So I expect it by faith in Jesus' name. So God's son, believe it. That's the second point, and this will make you extremely contagious. Everything centers around Jesus. Everything. You'll see it here. And all the people saw him, walking and praising God, and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And, uh, and what he got when he asked for alms is he got legs. So that was really cool. So anyway, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So that's our word, isn't it? We've been circling that word filled every time in Acts, right? So circle that word filled. They were filled with amazement and wonder not filled with the Holy Spirit, but like filled with like what's going on here so that we might get to the Holy Spirit filling, right? So they might be saved. So I hope that you know somebody here in this place who you're like, what's going on? I don't know about you. <laughs> like, what's happening in your life isn't really real. It, it, it's not the same. Somebody's doing something. Did you drink something? Is this a cult? Like, are we, like what's going on? You're happy now. You didn't used to be happy. You're giving money to the church? What in the world are you doing? Like, you're serving? You get out of bed early? Like, what's wrong with you? Right? Check your pulse, right? Like, so, you, got, you got a temperature? You high on something? Like, what's going on, right? That's, that's kind of how it's going. And these guys are like, you guys, I don't know about you guys. I don't know what's going on here exactly, right? And while he clung, I showed you what that looked like, to Peter and John, he's kicking his legs and giggling like a school kid, uh, they walk in the beautiful gate. They go in, take a tour of the temple, probably just for this guy and to say a few prayers. And then they walk out, and what, what, what happens? Well, you, 
All the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. So they emptied the temple. Because everybody knew who this guy was. He'd been there. You want to know how old this guy is? It says in chapter 4, verse 22. Over 40 years old. You want to know what that means? He's been there since before Jesus was born. That's what it means. Just think about that and God's sovereignty. How God knits this all together and puts this all together and gets this guy here. They're like, Jesus who? And then they're like, well, this guy. Well, that's real, you know. This guy's been there for a while and this gets their attention. God will always get our attention. You can believe that. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, that's Jews, brothers and sisters. Why do you wonder at this? I mean, you've already had 3,000 people get saved. We've already preached the gospel here. We've already seen Jesus Christ resurrected. Nobody can uh, withstand that. Why are you so excited about this, right? Like, there's better than this has been done. Why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us? Somebody's looking now, aren't they? Somebody's like, I'm looking. I'm staring at you. That'll happen when you're on fire for God, when you're contagious. Why are you staring at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? It's not our power. It's not our godliness. It's not by our strength, right? It's not myself. It's the Savior, Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit in me that you're seeing right now that you're encountering. It's not me. He just makes it really clear. But then he wants to make a second point clear. The God of Abraham, same God you came to the temple to worship today, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, that's literally child, Jesus. His kid, his son, his servant, the one he sent to us, Jesus, whom you, get this, when God's going to deliver a message, and it's a gospel message, we always call it the good news. But do you want to know what? The bad news and the good news go hand in hand, all right? So watch how he does this. He doesn't just go, just come over here. Just, where have you been? Have you been in town all this time? You were here when Jesus died? I bet you that wasn't you. I bet you weren't part of that, were you? You just got here. You, that wasn't you. He's not just like denying everything. He's not just like all love and grace. Oh, nobody really cares anyway, right? Like it's not like that. The good news and the bad news go hand in hand. Look at what he says. God glorified his servant, Jesus, his son, Jesus, whom you delivered over, one, and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. So not only did you deliver him over, but when Pilate's like, he's not guilty. Six times he says he's not guilty. At least three times he's like, tries to get rid of him. And they're like, nope, 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 nope. And he decided to release him. But you too denied him. You denied the holy and the righteous one and asked for a murderer and grant it, uh, be granted to you. And you three killed the author of life. Do I have your attention yet? You're a murderer. Uh, what's the penalty for that? Uh, we should kill you right now. Oh, I didn't do it. You know, 
You, you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. God, the same God, Yahweh God, the same God that is God of Isaac and, and Jacob and Abraham. To this we are witnesses. He's like, y'all know it. We know it. We've been talking about it. Y'all know it. You can't disprove it. We're here. The empty tomb's here. This guy's healed, right? He gets into that now. His name. The name of who? Jesus. By faith in his name. The name of who? Jesus. There's just something about that name. Has made this man strong whom you see and you know, if you've been coming here for any amount of time, you know this guy, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man his perfect health in the presence of you all. Just think about this now. God shows up, and he does a miracle. But he's not like, awesome, this is Peter's second message, and he just gets better. He gets more concise, he's shorter, and it's more powerful. Now, realize this message is to the Jews. This isn't like the message in chapter 2 where it was like everybody that was visiting on Pentecost, they're from all these different things, Jews and proselytes. Jerusalem was twice as full, you know, because everybody came for the Passover or the feast. Uh, this is like just the normals, just the regulars, just the guys that know this guy. The context is such. So these guys are all there, and they're obviously not believing. They're astounded. They're like jaw on the floor, but they're not like, yeah, I believe it. So he's like, all right, well, let me just set it to you straight. Jesus is God's son. Jesus is the servant that God sent. Jesus is the prophet that God sent. This is the same God that you worship in your temple. This is the same thing. He's like, it's about the name of Jesus. So I forgot to study this part of the message. Do you know any names of Jesus? Because it's about his name. So go ahead. Give me some names of Jesus. Lord of Lords. Bread of life I am. The way. Yep. The truth, the life. I knew those were coming. Wonderful counselor, what? Prince of Peace. Lamb. Lord of Lords. King. Yeah, Emmanuel, God with us. Like, these are all names of Jesus. There's something about the name, right? There's something about the name. There's power in the name. So if we want to be contagious, we might want to say the name. We might want to live in the name. We might want to be about the name. We might want to raise, like we said at Harvest, the name of Jesus to the top of the flagpole as often and as high as we can get it all the time. It's all about the name. Do you believe that? That's the question. And if you believe that, here's the word I'm going to use for you. Are you leaning into that? Because see, I think if we come to communion today, there's going to be things that we like, you know, I say I believe it, but I didn't act like I believed it. And belief determines behavior, right? And so we're going to come to communion, and this is what we do. We're like, da. I believe it. I believe it. Not just here, but here in my heart. And so it affects my behavior, but I'm not perfect. I'm not sinless, although I'll be blameless because I'm coming to the communion table and I'm confessing my sin again because I want to be contagious. Do you believe it again today? Right? It's not about believing at one time. 
Do you believe it again today? Is it affecting your behavior? Jesus is God's son. The awe we talked about last week, Jesus is in the room. He's in the room, man. He's sitting by you. Now how do you act? How does that change things, right? That's the fear, the reverence that we live with. Jesus is in the room. He's right here. I just thought this verse might really uh, counsel you. Uh, Colossians, Colossians chapter 1. Uh, first, I'm just reminiscing a little bit because the first thing we preached was Colossians in our church. And so let's throw it up on the screen. Colossians chapter 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. Who created everything? Jesus. All right? All right? Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. And all things were created through him. Who created him? Yeah, say it like you mean it, man. And for him, and he is before all things. And in him, who? In him, in Jesus, all things hold together. You haven't split in two today because there's a God. His name is Jesus, and he's holding you together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything, he, who is it? Jesus might be preeminent. That means first place. He might have the first place. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. We're talking about Jesus. I don't know if you know Jesus. I don't know if you've met him yet. But I would, like you to, I would like to introduce you to the most important person you'll ever meet. His name is Jesus. He's God's son. He will make you extremely contagious. Do you believe that? Believe it. Believe it. And then behave like it, and people will be running to you, clinging to you to get to that truth that Jesus is the Son of God, and that he's all we need. Then there's this. We acknowledge our sin. We lean into the bad news and the good news, right? We believe it. I killed him, but God raised him. Praise we. Thank you, God. Thank you for raising him back up. Thank you, God. Thank you for covering my sin with your blood. Lean into Jesus and find some grace. Look at it here in verse 17. Of all the things you could say to the Jews that are residing in this town, he says this, now brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of the prophets that this Jesus, his Christ, the Messiah, would suffer, he thus fulfilled, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That's what we're really seeking today as we come to church, as we uh, will experience communion in a second. We're really seeking uh, repentance and the, uh, a new filling of the Holy Spirit, a, a new presence of the Lord, that he may send the Christ, the Messiah, appointed for you, Jesus. This is a little parenthesis. Whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets long ago. And then he's like, well, I mentioned prophets, so here, let me get to Moses. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me 
from your brothers, you shall listen to him. You might want to circle that in your Bible. We talked about looking. We talked about leaning in. This one you want to uh, write down, listen. Are we listening to Jesus? Because when we listen and do what Jesus says, we're contagious. Listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that everyone who does not listen to the prophet, to that prophet, Jesus he's talking about, shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel, the one who anointed David, right? And those who came after him, all of the prophets all the way through the Old Testament, also proclaim these days. You, to come full circle with the whole preaching argument, this is just a, such a clever message. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant of God, made with Abraham, right? Made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So I love that verse because that's me, a Gentile, in the passage. He's preaching to Jews, but he's not just being exclusive. He's like, dude, this is for Gentiles too. This is for all nations, and you will be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, thank you, Lord, because we killed him, sent him to you first, to the Jews, salvation of the Jews first, and then to the Gentiles, right? To bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. To bless you by saying you are loved and be filled and prosper. No. To bless you by, what does it say? To bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. So I don't know what you came in here with, but I know you came in here with sin. And I think the blessing is that you would leave without it. Right? The blessing is that you would understand Jesus Christ died and that God's salvation is the third point. God's salvation is the thing and, and that you just receive it. God can rescue from you from that sin that you brought in here today. He's rescuing me from my sin. See, I get the benefit of being here two services. I was already on my face right here in this spot with God going, you got to take that from me, God. You got to take that from me. You got that selfishness, that sin, that self-righteousness. You got to take that from me. That thinking that this or that, or you got to take it from me. I don't even remember everything I said because you took it from me, so I don't even want to remember, right? It's gone. It's done. Can't even recall it all. And I'm grateful that I can't recall it all. Look at verse uh, 19. I think this is the key. Uh, I think it's really astounding that he says, you're, you're ignorant, uh, just write this passage down, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Go read that, verse 12 through 15. And, and, and Paul's a great example of this because he says, I was ignorant. <laughs> I didn't know because he is one of the rulers of the Jews. But uh, look at verse 19. Um, just, just quick, uh, uh, just, just a little example for you. So I brought my whiteboard because it says in this passage, uh, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Do you have anything different in your Bible? Wipe away. Anybody's Bible says wipe away? Yeah, wipe away, right? It's, many of the versions say wipe away. So let's just, just, let's, let's just model this, what he's talking about, right? So, all right, so give me some sins that we're going to bring to communion today. I've already said selfishness, so I'll write that up on there. Pride. Greed. Oh, man. Thanks for bringing that back up. That's one of the ones I put down, all right? What? Doubt? Okay. Vengeance? Did I hear vengeance? 
How do you spell that? Just kidding. Lost. I heard one up here. Worry. Oh, yeah. The opposite of faith. Fear, right? The wrong fear, right? Despair. Oh, that's one of the ones I put down. Thanks for bringing that back up. No, that's okay. I'll put it down again after this service. All right. Okay, ungratefulness. We, we could just go on and on, right? Did you, did you get your sin out? Because, see, when you're willing to repent of it, something happens. So if you're sitting here right now and you're like, oh, I don't want to put my sin on the board. It's going to stay on the board. Do you get that? When you're not willing to say, this is who I am, this is what I need to change, to repent and to turn away from it, it stays on the board. But when you repent of it, he says, I will blot it out. Literally means to wipe away. So this is what happens with your sin when you repent. It's gone. And it isn't coming back. Matter of fact, if you looked at this close, it's actually whiter where I erased it than where I didn't. You're free. Repentance brings freedom. Not free to go sin again. Free to live in Christ. Free to experience the power of the Holy Spirit and to be as contagious as you've ever been before. Because this power is contagious. It's just flat out contagious. There's so much more I could say about this passage. Uh, my time is gone, but I want to um, at least uh, give you this. Um, this is a devotional. James McDonald puts it out every, uh, every week and uh, a couple times a week. It's called Our Journey. You can go look it up online at jamesmcdonald.com if you'd like to sub- subscribe to it. It's, it's great. I read it periodically. Not every uh, time it comes out, but this one was repentance, and I was preaching about repentance, so I read it, and I was like, oh, I got to say this. This is for somebody here, okay? Perhaps you sit in church week after week delighting in the salvation of lost people who are turning from their sin and receiving God's forgiveness and redemption. You watch God move. Woo! Go God, right? Yet it's hard to truly rejoice in an amazing grace that you don't really think you need anymore. It's hard to experience the reality of being forgiven for all eternity when you're not keeping yourself cleaned and refreshed through the sacrifice of a repentant heart. Right? Repentance is a one-time thing. He goes on to say that. Uh, the windows of heaven are bursting with the grace and mercy of God that God showers upon the repentant. Heaven is leaning over the rail. The angels are like leaning over the rail at this moment, wanting you to come to a fresh place of true and total honesty before God. I pray that you'll do that today. The very thing you tend to push off and hold off, not wanting to deal with, your sin, is what heaven is longing to see and celebrate. Right here, right now. Let's deal some business with God. Listen, believer, the awareness of personal sin laid before him in repentance is what keeps the gospel glorious in your life. Keep, 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 keep preaching the gospel to yourself. Keep repenting. Repentance is not a a place to visit when you get saved. Repentance is where you're supposed to live as a believer. Return again and again to the sanctifying power of Jesus Christ, the only power that can overpower the sin that even now seeks to control you. We have to do some business with the Lord. I want to give you time to do that. I'm going to ask uh, Brent to come sing. and As we sing, I just want you to 
get into God's presence. I want you to get contagious again. Or maybe be contagious for the first time, right? Maybe you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior first time today. Bam, awesome. We would all celebrate. The angels of heaven will jump over that rail and throw a party, all right? But they're looking over the rail for you, believer. They're anticipating you. They're watching you. And they want to know if what you said before is still true in your life, if you still believe that Jesus Christ is Lord of lords and King of kings, and if he's the Lord of you. And if there's any area in your life that isn't that way, repent, right? Repent. Turn away from that sin that it will be wiped out, blotted out, and that times of refreshing, just think of the refreshment at salvation. Think of the joy of the guy that got healed and saved, right? I want you to experience that today. So I want to give you time. We're going to have the ushers down here. There'll be uh, one, two, three, four ushers down here with uh, communion for you. And then there'll be uh, uh, gluten-free communion up there. And and there's an usher right there as well. Uh, So those guys can come. We'll we'll sing and uh, just do some business with the Lord right now. Okay? Just give you some space. Time of repentance with Him. I want you to be contagious again. I want you to be contagious again. Look. Look into his eyes. Lean into Jesus Christ. Right? He loves you. He loves you.